Welcome back to another episode of Popcorn and Coffee, a movie podcast. I'm your host, Jesse, and with me as always, Jay Hazel. How are you? Hey, everyone. We are here yet again. What did you say? I, I don't know. I, said, <laughs> I thought I said, hey, everyone. <laughs> it's been a while. Yes. Yes. In studio, while. We've gotten very comfortable with Zoom, though, I feel like. Yeah. No, I think the Zoom stuff is doing really good. Uh I mean, I'm assuming people are enjoying it. Or yes. Some views on YouTube. When shameless plugs, uh, if you go over to YouTube, you can follow us and check out our weekly Boba Fett updates. Yep. That's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has. Uh, gives us something to do and talk in the middle of the week. Yeah. Well, we love talking about movies, so let's just... Or series, I guess. Yeah. Um, Film. But with that being said, uh, coffee talk. Yeah. All right. So today... We're going to go all the way to Jamaica, man, with a little Jamaica and we crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said it so slow like that, but uh just felt right. Uh, <laughs> crazy. Anyways. What about it? Uh, so this is a special brew. When I was running the water through the coffee pot to heat up the water, I didn't realize there were coffee beans in your coffee maker. <coughs> so it had you making me crazy coffee beans in the maker, but there was only set for four cups and I put eight cups of water in. Okay. So it was really thin and I had already ground the beans for the French press. So this is twice brewed Jamaican me Crazy. Crazy. Uh, Why didn't you just leave it with the first one? We just had super watered down coffee. Because that's nasty. Nobody wants that. Anyways, with these, uh, the Jamaica Me Crazy Beans come from South America, typically. Okay. Um, They are roasted with a coffee liquor, caramel, and vanilla. Uh, Some of them, they didn't specify like a specific type of coffee liquor they use for all of them. One I saw was like a Mexican coffee liquor. Okay. Uh, so I'm assuming like, like the Bailey's Irish. Oh yeah. yeah stuff yeah. like that. So something like that, they brew with it or roast with it to give it a little flavor. The one thing I would say is you can definitely taste the underlying flavors in there. So is this considered like a, what did we talk about before? I know we've talked about it in the past. Outside of it tasting like dirt, uh, is it bold or is it, what would the terminology? Smooth. Smooth? I, I think it's pretty smooth. Uh, but what are the different grades? You know what I mean? Like roasting wise? Yeah. I, I think it's a light roast. Oh. I think the Jamaican ones are. Okay. I think from what I looked up, they were all lights. Mostly roasted. But, I mean, you can get them roasted in any way, just typically. Oh. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty smooth. Pretty smooth. Uh, I just spilled it on my pants. (laughs) Oh, no. Burning. Uh, But, yeah, that's all I got on that. Um, It's okay. I'm not really a huge fan of it. 
Wow. It's, I, a lot of people like it. They're, everyone goes crazy over it because it's Jamaican me crazy. I think they just like saying the name of it. I'm well, like, it's a very catchy name. Yeah, Catcher the most. Yeah. But everyone's like, ooh, I love Jamaican me crazy. Oh, yeah. No. Just give me a regular Ethiopian a light cup roast. Cup of Joe. Ethiopian light roast. That's my favorite. I prefer Guatemalan. Well, Guatemalan's good too. I just know that's one of the ones on our shelves in there. <laughs> you gotta just read it. You're, he's actually in front of his coffee shelf right now reading the names off. I like, um, yes. So if I had to, had to just pick, you know, which ones that I liked the most, it would definitely be the, the, the latte espresso, vanilla, chai, uh, tall, skinny, sleeve, no cup. Yeah, really? <laughs> Actually, I did have, before we end this, since we're still on the coffee talk, uh, went to a couple weeks ago, it was our anniversary, and we went out to Starbucks, and I tried the cold brew, the Irish cream cold brew. I, you can't see what I did. Nobody can see what I did. Uh, there, we're not on video this time. It's delicious. I prefer cold coffee over warm coffee any day of the week. This is delicious. Next time you're at a Starbucks, get it. Irish cream, cold brew. Unfortunately, I don't go over there very often, but okay. Well, next time we go see a movie, we're going to stop at Starbucks. and on to, on to other topics, though. You want to know something interesting I read today? What's that? That Andrew Garfield was completely dedicated to keeping his role in Spider-Man No Home a secret that he just lied to everyone. <laughs> yeah. Even Emma Watson. Not Emma Watson. Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Why would he lie to like Emma Watson? Hermione? She seems like a very nice girl. Emma Stone asked, hey, are you in this movie? And he said, no. No, I am not. And they are dear friends. He borderline... They, they dated for a while. He couldn't save her, if you recall. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't. He lied to everyone. He deserves an Oscar just for his ability to lie to everyone. And take take boom, but whatever. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know how you can just keep something like that a secret for as that long because you're going to the studio, you're you're recording or filming. Yeah, and then you've got Tom Holland. Did Tom Holland know that? Well, obviously he did. They filmed scenes together. Wow. How do you? How does Tom Holland keep a secret that long? Um, they get paid lots and lots of money to keep it a secret. So they're like, here's the money we're going to pay you to play the role that you're playing. And here's just the money we're going to pay you to not tell anyone. They have to give me a lot of money. They give him a lot of money. Millions to be exact. So if he slipped up and told... They would take that money back. Ooh. Well, that, I mean, obviously it would be played off as publicity. Yeah. It's just like, oh, Tom Holland slipped and, and said the movie... But you can't trust him because who knows what's going to come out of that kid's mouth. Yeah. It's like him and Mark Ruffalo. That's what they did for Infinity War after he's like, everyone dies. They're like, no, they don't. <laughs> Spoiler alert, they do. And he wasn't lying. Crazy. But anyway, I digress. What else have you been watching? Oh, let's see. We've been... I'm still working my way through the Harry Potter movies. I've got two more left. Um, 
final two. Yeah. Uh, They're pretty decent. They're good. They're good. Yeah. After that, you're going to have to watch the uh, Fantastic Beast movies. I plan on it. That's... Ooh. They, those look more fun to me. Like the Fantastic more, Beast? Yeah. We'll see what the, we'll yeah. see your opinion. Because I'm going to rewatch them too because I'm, I'm excited about the new one. The new one looks very good. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the other two and I have opinions. Bold. Bold roast opinions on those other two movies. But I am excited for the new one. So tell me when you watch those and I'll rewatch them as well. Okay. So we can have updated opinions. So yeah, what else are we going to watch? And I'm trying to think. I feel like I've watched a ton of movies. Uh, oh, that Netflix movie with Army Hammer, uh, Rebecca. Watched that one. Yeah. It was pretty good. Uh, I mean, acting was casual, subpar. It wasn't. It was more the story that drove that. Uh, Army Hammer's devilish good looks. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> no judging, but eh. Uh, oh, we went and watched the uh, American Underdog, the movie about oh, Warner. Right. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good. It was worth it. Cool. That's a good one. Have you seen it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know? I just know things. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've been watching a lot of old stuff. Well, a lot of stuff that's been out for a long time, but I've never seen. Unforgivable with Sandra Bullock and Net- the Netflix movie. and I want to watch Halle Berry's. I haven't seen that one yet. She's an MMA fighter. Oh, what's that one called? Bruised. Oh, bruised. I want to watch it. Uh, I like that Netflix gives opportunities to different people, whether it be directing or or starring in a, a lead role or, or different things. It really opens up the door for people who aren't big in the industry but are, are trying. You know, mm-hmm. that's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, they've produced some good stuff on there. Oh, I did start watching. I watched the first two episodes of Peacemaker. How's that? I have no thoughts this time. Okay. <laughs> I don't care for that character. And it's, that's strange to me that you would pick the John Cena character. And I think it's primarily because of how on board John Cena was to just be like, he'll raise his hand and do anything at this mm-hmm. point. But why wouldn't you follow a character like Idris Elba's, who's far more intriguing? Who has way more backstory. Or Harley Quinn, who everybody loves. I, she might be played out at this at this point. Especially having her own flopped movie. and Yeah. But there's so many characters, you know, at this point. It's just, you let James Gunn, and this is this is something I was talking to a buddy at work about. James, this is James Gunn off his leash. Mm-hmm. Like, off his leash. I like James Gunn working for Disney, where... They see his potential. They see what he can do. But they're also like, look, this has to be PG-13. This has to be, uh, it has to reach a, a more general audience. Because James Gunn, when he's truly doing what he loves, is the stuff that he got canceled for from Twitter mm-hmm. back when he got fired. That's the stuff that he finds really funny. And real, and that's the pedophile talk and the abortion talk. And just the, the stuff that shouldn't be funny. It shouldn't be funny. Yeah. And that's what the show was full of. Unnecessarily. It wasn't creative. It was crude. And at least in Guardians, he had to catch himself and be like, okay, this is the joke I want to tell. But how can I do it where it's either subliminal or it's a roundabout way? You know, at least it had. To, it took some creative thought to say it. And it wasn't just a genitals joke mm-hmm. for the sake of another genitals joke. 
And that's what it was full of in the first two episodes. So I was like, yeah, it's, it's not for me. Yeah, I just, I don't understand why you can see that you've been successful without half, with not telling jokes that way and being so blatantly vulgar. Why do you feel like you would then have to turn around and try to be more successful by doing that? Because that's the stuff that he loves, you know? He's like, well, this is me. And it still is. He's just keeping that side of himself tamed down for movies that are outside of, that are within the Marvel circle, mm-hmm. you know? And this will be his last movie with the Guardians 3. I guarantee it will be the last thing he does with Marvel. Yeah. Um, they brought him back to complete that trilogy because they knew it would make them money. But I don't know. I don't know. It's just unfortunate because I do like him. And I do think he's a very creative person and he's a very funny person. But it just seems lazy to me to take that route and let that be like, okay, well, let's just break the words for how many times he can use the F word in this series. Mm-hmm. Even if that's how it was in the comics, like, is that really what we need in this series? Is that what this is about? Because if that's what this is, you're reaching a really limited audience with that. Is he like, was he like that in the comics? I have, I have no, no idea. idea. I have no idea about any of those characters. No idea. And honestly, couldn't care less, even still. And John Cena, no offense, John, if you're listening, he's not a good actor. He does one thing mediocre. Mildly well. You know, I don't know what the draw is to John Cena. I personally don't. I don't enjoy watching him because it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. And he plays dumb. Yeah. So, like, why? Why? And even in this show, like, he's really smart when the show needs him to be really smart. And then he's just an idiot when the show needs a laugh. And it's all got to be at his expense for something that he's doing. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. It's not cohesive to me. Unfortunately, because I would love to to love it, you know. And you can look at like the different WWE stars that have become actors. Uh, I think Mickey Rourke was one, right? Was he in the WWE? Mm, I don't think so. He was a wrestler, wasn't he? I know he played a wrestler in a movie. I don't know if he ever did that in real life. Uh, Anyways, I mean Dwayne Johnson. Again, Dwayne Johnson is not a great actor, but I enjoy watching him. What he does, he does well. Yeah. He found his niche. Yes, for sure. He he does that, and it's good. Or it's decent, at least. At the the least. If you enjoy it, it works. What John Cena does, I don't don't see the draw in it. I don't. Mm -hmm. You know? And that's what it is. But. And that goes with every raunchy comedy he's in for some weird reason. He's just drawn to that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, first of all, this isn't 2010 back when the hangover movies were funny. Comedy in movies has changed and it's changed a lot. Like, and it does, it, it evolves over time depending on what the demographic and the culture is doing. But mm-hmm. Anyway, I think we've beat that, uh, that horse to death. So why don't we just go ahead and get into our uh, yeah. movie for the day? What are we watching today? Uh, we watched uh, 2013's Prisoners, starring Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. This is a this movie is an all star cast, truly, truly all star with Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal, Terrence Howard, Viola Davis is in there, uh, doing what what she does best. Um, uh, Maria, Maria Bello, Bello. yeah, yeah. Paul Dano, uh, Dylan Minnette from the Thirteen Reasons Why Netflix mm-hmm. series. 
lot of people. And then any everybody aside from that, even like if I don't know their names, I've seen these faces. You know what I mean? A lot of character actors show up in this movie. Yeah. Um, directed by Denny Villeneuve, who's just, he's firing on all cylinders right now. Really? Truly? Um, with Dune being his most recent theatrical accomplishment he did dune he did blade runner 2049 he did arrival with uh amy adams and then we have this movie prisoners he's done a ton of stuff and i i would say he has more hits than misses mm-hmm. for me oh yeah because right now in terms of actors or actors directing directors working i'd put him in probably my top three i really like his vision and i really like the realism that he brings to the screen mm-hmm. from this. You didn't watch Dune. I haven't watched Dune yet, no. If you watched it, it would feel like this movie. And not this movie and the like the depre- this the plot of this movie is really, really heavy. But the feel of this movie and the look of this movie, you can see in Arrival, you can see in Dune, you can see in Blade Runner 2049. There's just this through line that's very down to earth and realistic mm-hmm. that I really, really like. This was a crime drama mystery. It's rated R. has a runtime of two and a half hours. I'll go ahead and uh, read the synopsis if you want. Yeah, go for it. When Keller Dover's daughter and her friend go missing, he takes matters into his own hands as the police pursue multiple leads and the pressure mounts. Where, where does this one rank for you? Like in... Like in just your... your personally? Yeah, I, I would probably say... I would say at least top 15. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I would probably say top 10. There's there's certain movies for me that just, they strike such a chord, and I can remember very vividly. I remember when this came out, because it was released right when I was coming back home from New York. Okay. So I was up there, Vera and the kids had already moved back here, and my dad took the train to New York to then drive the U-Haul back with me. Uh but the night before we left, we're like, well, what are we going to do? We're just chilling. So we're like, let's go to the movies. And we went to the movies and we watched this movie. And it was literally, and this this is what I find so intriguing about this movie. It's a 13-hour drive from New York to Indiana. This is almost all we talked about the entire drive home mm-hmm. was this movie because we had seen it the night prior. So we went to the movies and then I went and said goodbye to all my friends. And then we went back to my house and then drove home and just talked about this movie. There's so much you could really, truly talk about if you wanted to get into every nook and cranny of what this movie is. Yeah. We don't have 13 hours, though. We don't have 13 hours, no. I mean, we do, but we don't. But I love, there's not, I don't remember vividly, like, being in a movie theater for every single movie that I watch, but there are certain ones that rank up very high on my list of how well I enjoyed them, and I'm like, I could tell you exactly what seat I was sitting in. Mm-hmm. When I watched this movie, you know, because I was just all everything about it. It's just encapsulated into into my brain. Yeah. And that's and I love that. I love it. I think I watched this one a couple years after it came out. Uh, like, I remember the trailers for it and all that when it was in theaters. But yeah. for whatever reason, I didn't go and see it. Uh, so I, I remember watching it at home. This is one of those movies that's. Uh, it's hard to say it's a good movie, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the, like, oh man, yeah, Prisoners, that's such a good movie. Ew. It's not a good movie. It's it's good in the sense that it's well done. Yes, technically, it is incredibly acted, well put together. The cinematographer is incredible. And 
it's it's got beautiful direction. Excuse me. Content-wise, this is an extremely hard movie to watch. So you walk away with a feeling of, uh, you know, like not even a sigh of relief as much of a sigh of like, what just happened? Yeah. And if you don't know the plot, we're, we're going to really kind of dive into the plot of this. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend you go watch it before you just hear the breakdown. Granted, with that being said, it's an eight-year-old movie, so you've probably already heard. Mm-hmm. But they, he does such a good job setting up who these people are and what these people believe within minutes. Mm-hmm. Because within the first 15 minutes, the girls are gone. Yeah. And the plot continues on and just goes downhill so quickly, you know, it devolves so quickly into just uh, to fear and the terror and the chaos of it. So you have minutes at the beginning, like they, him and his son out in the woods, and then they go have Thanksgiving with the neighbors, and you learn about who all these people are in three scenes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then from there, it's like, boom, okay, let's go. How do you think the setup was for you? What did you see that really stood out with it? Like everything that happened prior to where the girls like as far. Yeah. As far as getting the knowing the characters and stuff, I really enjoyed how they like kind of made them Hugh Jackman's family and character. like set you up like, okay, they're not rich. They're very poor. Like they don't have a lot of money and they struck they're They're struggling. They're a struggling family. Uh, and so you kind of get that. So you kind of feel like, okay, society is already kind of, at the point when the girls go missing and the police are looking for them, they're already, they're that family that's kind of already suspected. Like, okay, well you don't have a lot of money. You're kind of struggling and stuff. So maybe, and Hugh Jackman's character is kind of rough from the get go. You get that. Like he's not a very loving father figure. Yeah. I think he loves his kids, but he just doesn't show it. He's a very rough person. He is. He is. He's a very, you know, pull him up by his bootstraps kind of guy runs his own business, but it's not a very successful business. Like you said, like his, he, he's got his own uh, construction company and then he's a prepper and he's loaded his basement with like, he's just anticipating the world to just go bad very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opening scene is him and his son hunting and he's uh, reciting the Lord's prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's religious on top of it. And then you you meet his wife, you meet his kids, and they're kind of, I would I don't want to say cookie cutter, but they're the typical wife and kids. You know, she's completely a hundred percent in with whatever her husband's doing, not because she has to, but because she she wants to. You yeah. know. Then Terrence Howard, you get even less. I mean, I don't even know that we know what he did for a living. I would assume he did some kind of construction, just the way like. Think so? I feel like it was like the in that community. It was like they were blue collar workers. Okay, yeah. Uh, but Terrence Howard's his family, they kind of put off a little bit more like we have money type vibe. Okay, yeah, to a degree. Yeah. Like he, you know, maybe a little bit. Yeah, when because when they brought the the deer meat over mm-hmm. to be cooked, his wife yeah. was like, "I ain't touching that." <laughs> yeah, you know? Viola Davis is incredible. I love watching Viola Davis, and she in a lot of okay. So she plays like two very distinct characters because you've got like her Suicide Squad. Uh, mm-hmm. What's her character's name? That Marissa. It's Marissa, isn't it? Hillard. Yeah, Something Hillard. It's not Marissa. Yeah, I just right. said I watched Peacemaker and her name. Is, <laughs> she's in it for a few minutes, but uh, she's got that character, which is very hard, very rough, very 
you know, mm-hmm. determined. And then she's got this kind of Midwestern housewife. Yeah. And she plays them so well, though. Like, I just, I, I buy into everything. She, she could say whatever she wants. And I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. in. I'm in. Because uh, I just, she is that character, whatever that character is. She was in. The help. She was in Unforgivable with Sandra Bullock and Vincent D'Onofrio. Her and Vincent D'Onofrio are, are husband and wife in, in that movie. Okay. It's just like, man, the two of them on screen together was incredible. Incredible to watch. But uh, she kind of seems like she has a lot to say in that family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Over over her husband, Terrence, who just likes to get drunk and plays trumpet. Yeah. And Terrence Howard's not a great actor anyways, but... No, no, he isn't, unfortunately. He's one of those actors that I always cheer for. I always root for. Like, I want to like you because he seems like a very likable person. Mm-hmm. But his skill isn't isn't up there very high. It just yeah. isn't. So, hustle and flow is what I'll always remember him him for. But And Hugh Jackman is another one of them actors. Like, I was going to ask you, like, where does he rank on your list of actors? And honestly, it's funny that you bring that up because I would put him and Jake Gyllenhaal in the same category as they're in a ton of stuff. And everybody likes them, but I would still consider them underrated. I don't think they get the respect that either one of them deserve for the versatility in characters that they can play. You get Jake Gyllenhaal going from something like this, and I get, I'm get i not saying going from this to this, but just differences. From a character like this to playing Mysterio in Spider-Man, or you get Hugh Jackman in this, just a dad, mm-hmm. to playing Logan or to playing The Greatest Showman, the versatility is insane. And they're so believable in everything. I think they're very, both very good mm-hmm. actors, personally. I don't know, do your thoughts differ? I, I would, I think they're both great actors. I wouldn't put them on the same level. I think Hugh Jackman's on a completely different level than Gyllenhaal. In my opinion, Hugh Jackman's probably top 10 greatest actors of all time. By the time he retires and he's out of acting, he'll be in the top 10 of all time. Uh and nothing against Jake Gyllenhaal. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is great. I mean, like you said, going from this to Mysterio or even in Brothers, him with Tobey Maguire in that, he's phenomenal in that movie. Yes, yes. Uh, All the way back to October Sky. Yeah. Or even Brokeback Mountain playing that character that he played. His versatility is off the charts. Yeah. And I don't think people give him the credit that I think he deserves. Mm-hmm. He's even, what was he in most recently? He was in something. Because I've noticed he played a cop in two different Thing. No, he was in the guilty. He wasn't the guilt. He was a cop in that. He was yeah. a different kind of scenario. But the way he seamlessly fits into the the roles that he is given, I definitely think is underrated. In the way that you just explained it, like, oh yeah, he's in all this stuff and he's good in all of them. But like, I I feel like he's always given that caveat of a but, mm-hmm. and I just I I disagree. I just think that it's because that we give him the but that makes him a good actor because. Nobody's saying he's bad. Right. And, and I think a big thing with Gyllenhaal is, and maybe you think differently, or maybe I'm wrong on this, but he doesn't act with his face a whole lot. I would 100% disagree, and this movie proves it. Because that was one thing I noticed in rewatching that I was like, oh my goodness. As soon, that very first scene when he's in that diner, and you see his face, and his eyes start to just twitch. And he does this eye twitch this entire yeah. movie, where it just seems like a nervous tick. 
And I'm like, he's, and I told Vera as soon as I saw it, I'm like, he is absorbed in this character. That's not something, that's not something he does in real life. That's not something you see in any, mm-hmm. but just as soon as you see that slick back hair and he doesn't even speak, he just holds his cup in a weird way and his eyes twitch and it's like, okay, I know what this guy is. I know what this guy's about. Yeah, I would, I, and I don't have whatever opinion you want, but I would completely think that he could act with his face and with his eyes. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I just disagree because I think he, he plays like a, and Hugh Jackman has a certain role that he plays too. I can he, uh, as far as roles that he like gets absorbed in is like, you got the Wolverine like that. He is Wolverine. He's that. But outside of that, you get movies where Hugh Jackman shows so much emotion with his face, like, uh, going from this and the scenes where he's just like, he's just angry the whole time, even from the beginning before his daughters are gone. He's just like, you can tell he's rough. And then you go to a movie like Les Mis where his life goes from being in prison and redemption. And then he's like, got this life where he can help people. And then the greatest showman where it's more happy and upbeat and stuff. I just feel like there's, you can tell a difference on his face in those movies. And I feel like with Hall, you don't see that as much. Oh, see everything you're saying. And again, have whatever perspective you want. And, and please, again, right now, speaking to the audience here, if you, if you have comments on this specific subject, I do want to hear them because this is interesting to me. Everything you just said explains to me why I think he is a good actor in the way that he is. Because I, to me, he's doing all those same things. It's just so much subtler. Not, it's, it comes natural to him, too. And I would agree that Hugh Jackman is a lot bigger when, in his expressions. Mm-hmm. A lot bigger. Hall's is just so low-key that to you, you see nothing. But to me, I see everything mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. That's so funny, though. What do you think? Okay, well, while we're on the topic of just actors, this is a very controversial one as well, I guess. Where does Paul Dano rank? I was trying to figure out what else I'd seen him in. Uh, well, I mean, one big one that I know, and again, whether the movie's good or whether the movie's not good, doesn't necessarily play into how well a character plays a role. He was in Cowboys and Aliens. Okay. Cowboys versus Aliens. Where he just plays like the son of a Western Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I haven't seen that movie in so long, so I don't really remember. I don't even remember his character. And he's also in There Will Be Blood, I guess. Uh, and again, I haven't watched that movie in probably over. There a Will Be Blood. Yeah, he was in. Uh, I mean, he was in The Guilty. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He played. Uh, who was he in that? Matthew. Was it the guy on the phone? Is that? I think so. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Swiss Army Man. Ooh. So you really don't slave. see you don't see him a whole lot in The Guilty. He's acting more, which is his yeah, voice. He was in Luger. Which I don't want to. I don't want to be like, oh, well, it's not that hard to act with your voice because I'm sure trying to convey oh, emotion no. is yeah. incredibly hard. Um, but I mean, in this film, he's. I think he's phenomenal. He, you're having to play somebody who is mentally handicapped, and then who's also been taken from. Like you've been raised by people that weren't your family. So you've also got that, those mental issues on top of that. No, I think he did a really good job in this movie. I think he is a good actor. Uh, I think he's young in his career, even though he's been in a number of things. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. And I know that he's going to play the Riddler in the new Batman movie. 
which is going to be huge for him. Yeah. And I think it's perfect for him. Oh, yeah. Um, especially that version of that character. You know, it's not the Jim Carrey Riddler. Yeah. This is a much darker, a darker toned Riddler. Um, so I think that's perfect for him. I think he's a good actor. Like I said, I don't think there's a bad acting performance in this movie at all. Mm-mm. Even Terrence Howard, who I think is probably the weakest of the entire group, is really, really good in what he's asked to do. Yeah. Um, so what do we think of the, uh, or did you have anything else on, on actors? Uh, just Melissa Leo as Holly Jones, the main protagonist. Oh, right. Oh, that's antagonist. Right. Yeah. Antagonist, yeah. Villain. They put a lot of makeup on her to make her look old. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you think? The story, well, we kind of hit on the cinematography already. Um, it's it's a beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Like it really, truly is, and it feels in the best way, real. Mm-hmm. And that's what gives this movie so much weight is that it feels like real families in a real situation. It really, truly does. And even at, in terms of cinematography, while we're on it, that opening scene is him and his son shooting a deer. A lot of times in movies, those scenes look real, real bad mm-hmm. because obviously they're not shooting a real deer, so it's a CGI deer, and that deer typically doesn't look very good or realistic. But they set it up in such a way where the deer is 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 in the background, in the distance. So the focus isn't on the deer. It's on the dad and the son, which is the point. And I just thought it was well shot and well set up in a way that it didn't take you out of the movie. And it mm-hmm. seemed so intentional to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, so with that being said, there wasn't anything that happened that pulled me out because of what I what I was seeing. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if your thoughts differ on any. Of yeah, that. no, I, uh, I really enjoyed that they based this around like a, it's like a small Midwest town. Yeah, it wasn't like a big metropolis. Yeah, uh, which I, I feel like a lot of like kidnapping or true crime movies and stuff like that tend to go with Always, the city yeah. and stuff. It's like that stuff happens in small towns too a lot more often All than the time. is reported. Yeah, so that was cool. Made it a little more real. Hit a little re- more. Close home to us since living in a smaller yeah. city. Uh, which I don't think they ever say where I don't it remember. Is. I don't know why I feel like Michigan is coming to my mind. Yes, I think it is Michigan. And I don't know why, but I'm pretty sure they yeah. mention it in the movie at some point. It's in the Midwest. Yeah, oh, no, no, doubt. It's, no doubt. So let's get into the crux of the point of this movie, which is its plot. This movie is so tense. Yeah. That's the one thing it does very well. It does tense, mixed in with, to me, elements of creepy, just eerie, like hair on the back of your neck stands up, mm-hmm. and you're just like, ugh. It's not horror. It's not scary. But you're just like, oh, this is this is bad. Yeah. And is there anything to you that stands out in those in those realms? I don't know. Because as soon as, to me... As soon as, and I'm trying to remember, play it back in my head now. As soon as they're like, where are the girls? And they go to leave, pretty much. They're leaving. They had Thanksgiving at their friend's house. And they're getting ready to go home. They're like, okay, where are the girls at? It's like the movie goes, <gasps> then takes a big breath in. And then you get almost 40 minutes before it lets that breath out. You That's know what good. I mean? Yeah. Because as soon as they're like, I don't know. And then it's very calm. 
very collected. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go ask the other kids. We're going to ask them, hey, have you seen them? No. Okay, I'm going to run back to that. And it's fine until it isn't, mm-hmm. you know? And then as soon as it isn't, it starts raining. So in the movie, the, the, the tension builds not only in the situation, but you get other elements of mm-hmm. the weather impacting them. And they're like, okay, now the girls are gone. Oh, no. Now it's – and it's just sprinkling. Then it's torrentially downpouring, and you're like, "What? What is going on? What's happening right now?" What, and then it's where's the where's the trailer or where's the uh, RV? Yeah, because the RV is the focal point now. And you're like, "Oh no!" And it's torrentially downpouring. Where's the RV? Cut to Jake Gyllenhaal's character at that point. You know? Yeah. Oh, what, go ahead. Yeah, no, I I agree. I hundred percent. That's a very good analysis of that film. Just the the breath as soon as they go missing. And then you're holding the film is holding its breath until 40, 50 minutes into the movie later on. Um, and to me, I don't know what you thought, but the movie to me is asking, what would you do? The whole movie is mm-hmm. okay. Find the character that you relate to the most, whoever that is, whether that's one of the mothers, whether that's one of the fathers, whether that's the, the, the policeman or whoever in the story you relate to. And you'd be like, if I were them, what would I do? Mm-hmm. You know, because the mom, uh, Maria Bello, she just falls into this depression and this sadness to the point where she's taking meds within like 48 hours of her going missing. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, and I could see myself doing that. You know, mm-hmm. even as a man, I'm like, oh, I could see myself sinking into a, into a mm-hmm. depression where I couldn't get myself out of bed. I could 100% see that if this in this scenario. Or your... Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman's character, who was like, no, I got to do everything to find him. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to find him. Um, we don't get as much of Terrence Howard or uh, Viola Davis's side of things that, as much as they're, they're complying with the police. They're helping in whatever way they can, but mm-hmm. they, they're kind of trying to stay out of the way. You yeah. know, let them do what they do best. Whereas Hugh Jackman's no, like, I'm going to get in their way as much as I can because they're not doing their jobs as well as I could do their jobs. And I think like uh, Viola Davis and uh, Terrence Howard, I think their characters, they tend, they leaned on each other a little more. Oh, definitely. And you see that. And Hugh Jackman was just like with his wife was just like, whatever, take your meds. I'm going to go out and help. That's a good point to make too, because in a lot of ways, Maria Bello's character who completely devoted herself to her husband at this point was like, no, this is your fault. My daughter's missing and you were supposed to protect us. This is your fault. Whereas with Terrence Howard and Viola Davis, you're like, they band together to help each other cope, you mm-hmm. know, which you don't get, which I think in a lot of ways could be, and it didn't cross my mind until just now talking about it. Uh, a lot of why Hugh Jackman goes the direction that he goes in this movie. He didn't have that support system. Everything fell on him Mm -hmm. that's really i'm really glad that you pointed that out because i like that a lot and it's funny though like he didn't even talk to his son at all about what he was doing because his son just thought he was out drinking i know at first he thought he was helping and then he was like no he's just now he's just slipped back into alcoholism but yeah and as soon as we hear you know over the radio you've got these girls have gone missing you you, then you start following jake gyllenhaal's character He's a hard character to read in this movie mm-hmm. intentionally um, because 
the parents can't get a gauge on him. His own police chief can't get a gauge on him. And we as the audience, I'm like, Borderlands seems kind of villainous. Yeah. But I think once you really get to know the character, it's far more just him detaching himself from it as much as he can because he's going to give 150%. Yeah. And if he gets emotionally invested, it is going to destroy him. Yeah. And he's really good at these cases because he can keep his emotions out of it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, they mentioned that in the film. Yeah, that he is a really good detective. Uh, but yeah, he's just emotionally like he acts like he doesn't care. It's like this guy's a jerk. I know, and that's why Hugh Jackman's getting mad at him. I know half the time because he's he doesn't seem like he even cares. But he has to be that yeah. way. He has to be, and you see him let loose a few times in the movie where he lets whatever he's thinking show. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, that internal monologue that he's saying the entire movie, you know, you can see him thinking the entire movie yeah, uh, comes out. But it's funny, like he I think he he would have solved the case without Hugh Jackman getting involved and in doing what he's done. But I don't think he would have got them in time if it wasn't for Hugh Jackman's character. Getting involved. in doing, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, OK. Terrence Howard's daughter gets away, which is how they end up finding right. her. Yeah. And then she leads them back to where? Does she I can't I'm struggling to remember now. Does she tell just Hugh Jackman's character where they where they were hidden? She doesn't lead them back. He already knew at that point. They they find uh Paul Dano's character in the shower beat up and he goes back to that house to tell his mother. Well, yeah, I'm trying to remember how Hugh Jackman knew that she had them. It was, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I'm blanking it in this moment. I think Paul Dano told him. Okay. Alex Jones, his character, his character is Alex Jones. Uh He told Hugh Jackman that they were with his, they were with pseudo mom. Yeah. Cause then he goes there and he's like, let me help you fix stuff. Mm -hmm. And then she drugs him. What did you think of the the cult elements? Because I think that's a big thing that you can that can make or break a movie like this. Because Loki, Detective Loki, who is Jake Gyllenhaal's character, goes off on this side road of following this group of people who are very cultish in their child abduction or not even actually abducting kids, just acting like they're abducting kids. The, the, the one guy that he was in that one chase scene with mm-hmm. didn't really take kids. He just took kids clothes and like, he had all those boxes of snakes and stuff. Yeah. But he was one of the kids that was taken by, uh, her as well. Her, yeah. But just the, 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 the elements of the maze symbol mm-hmm. and, and all of that. What did, what did you think about that? I didn't really take it as much as a cult as it was. That's what his fake dad that kidnapped him was like raised him. Yeah. The pendant that he wore and that he was just drawing that because he was just crazy because he never, he was raised basically in a basement. Yeah. Uh, So I didn't really take it as a cult uh, because I mean the whole, the whole reason that uh, Melissa Leo's character and her husband were kidnapping, started kidnapping kids was because their son died of cancer. Yeah. And it was this whole thing. They were taking kids 
which I want to get your thoughts on, but they they were she was trying to punish or get back at God because they were religious. Yeah. And then when their son died, they're like, well, we're just going to start kidnapping kids and get back at God by taking these kids, by taking these kids. And hopefully then their parents would walk away from the church. Yeah. Which we understood. We get that Hugh Jackman's character is somewhat religious. Yeah. It doesn't specifically, it doesn't specifically say I would probably lean more, more towards some, some form of Catholicism. Um, yeah. Just not some form to one degree. I mean, you know, how devoted, I don't know, but right. it, it doesn't matter. No. In the film, I think the him reciting the Lord's Prayer was just our nod to say, hey, he's religious. I would agree and I would disagree. Because okay. to me, one of the most gripping scenes of the entire movie, I don't, he says it because he believes it. You know, mm-hmm. not that he's just like some flippant believer. But when he's reciting it, I think he believes the words that he's saying because that scene when, okay, and if you don't know, Hugh Jackman's character, uh, Keller, kidnaps Alex Jones and takes him prisoner and then in an attempt to get him to uh, reveal the location of his daughters, even to the point of extreme, extreme brutal torture of this man. And that's that scene when he's got him locked in that shower and he is... Boiling this kid. And he's not a kid. He's a, he's a young adult, but his, his mind isn't all there. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to l- recite the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. And he gets to the line when it says, forgive us our trespasses as we... And he can't say it. He literally can't utter the words out loud, forgive others. Because he knows in that very moment he's mm-hmm. holding grudges against this, this kid. It's such an impactful scene to me. So just to shoot, reveal his level of, of devotion to his faith, mm-hmm. I think it is, is, is fairly strong. Just, that's just, I'm yeah. saying this to back up literally everything that you just said, you know? Yeah. But I just want to talk about my, my favorite scene of that movie because that's a hugely impactful scene. But, I mean, yeah, so then going off the religious, they're only kidnapping kids from religious families. The only one we know is Hugh Jackman. The other two kids that they kidnap. We don't know really where we they don't are. know. Yeah. So regardless, I could see people turn against God, even if they're not believers when your kid gets kidnapped, you know, or blame God at least. Yeah. See? I felt like they're, I feel, I felt like they were trying to target though, that specific yeah. group of people. I see. I see. Uh, but I don't remember where I was going with that, but I mean, regardless, it's, it's an interesting concept. I think I know. In a film, <clears throat> But and kind of like I said earlier, a big theme that I see underlying is what would you do if, you know, you were the said person? And then the concept of what it means to be a prisoner and to take a prisoner, you know, and that's that means more than just like bodily taking someone captive, you know, mm-hmm. like it could be a mental prison just as much as it is a physical prison. But uh, what do you think of the whole sequence with Jake Gyllenhaal going to talk to all the pedophiles or sex offenders? that lived in the area mm-hmm. and he ends up going to that church. Yeah. That priest house. This movie is so heavy, so heavy. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, like that in and of itself is, is, is bad. But then what he found in the priest house was even so much worse. Yeah. So that, I mean, not wor- equally bad because it's all bad. I mean, mm-hmm. how do we gauge what's, what's worse than another thing? But it's yeah. just like, what is going on? Yeah, it's like, why didn't the priest just 
because the priest was beating, torturing this guy because he came and told him that he kidnapped kids. He killed kids, yeah. Why didn't you just take him to the police? I don't know. And that's the grandpa from Blue Blood. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I didn't realize so watching it this time. Just so, so intense. And then even, again, to me, the scenes that stand out the most is Hugh Jackman enlists Terrence Howard to help him just destroy this kid mm-hmm. and just beat him to a pulp. Like, that one scene where you see his face and it's like, it doesn't even look like Paul Dano anymore. It's just swelled. I know. And then Viola Davis gets involved. And it's just so heartbreaking when he's like, we got to go to the cops. Terrence Howard, he's mm-hmm. like, we got to go to that. And she says, we don't have to turn him in. Or she says something like, we don't have, but we don't have to help him either. Yeah. Like, just turn a blind eye to it, because if he's going to find our daughter, I'm okay with it. I'm not going to hit him, but I'm okay with what he's doing. It's just like, yeah. oh my goodness. The lengths that you'll go to to, to find your daughter. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm sitting here as a father being like, I don't know what I would do. I can't say I disagree, and I can't say I agree with everything that's going on in this movie, but I don't know what I would do either. Right. Well, the thing is, Hugh Jackman knew the whole time that he took the kids. I know. I know. Well, he pretty much said it. He told him. Yeah. After he got out of prison, he said they didn't cry when I took them or something. Yeah. And <laughs> nobody believed him. Now, again, and I do question Paul Dano's faculties in as much as you do see him torture that dog in that one scene mm-hmm. intentionally. So, like, how much... And, again, he's abused people, abused people. Mm-hmm. So I get that, but I don't think he was necessarily as innocent as I originally thought that he was, you know? Right. Because he was complying with everything that his mother wanted. Mm -hmm. I don't think he necessarily was as like, oh, she just wants to make him dinner, but maybe more lean towards, I know what she's doing and I'm just going to help her do it because she's the only person that cares about me. Mm -hmm. Oh, and she, think of the, Mental stranglehold oh, yeah. he had on him too. It's like Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Wait, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, like he Just, loves her because of. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. On his part, not her part. <laughs> yeah. Like he's gonna do whatever he can to please her now because he truly loves her, even though what she's asking him to do. He took those kids. Yeah. I don't know how because there was no proof in the in the RV. Yeah, that's really, weird. They don't really say how he got the kids to the mom unless she scrubbed his RV down. Either that. Or she, they had a cell phone and he called her and she came in a car later and picked him up. Yeah. It doesn't really say. Yeah. Because there was no DNA and they would have found something. There's a couple scenes dedicated to that. Yeah. But what do you think about the ending though? How do you think, how do you think that conclusion, was it a satisfying conclusion? Was it a. It was to me. I was. I mean, it was a melancholy conclusion, no doubt. But Right. But, like, yeah, I was fine with the way that it ended and him, uh, Hall just hit here in that whistle, but they never, they never showed you actually find him. So you don't know. Yeah. Just leaving that question in your mind, like, did he find him? Well, she drugs him with this weird cocktail pop that she makes. I thought it was Kool Aid. <laughs> Whatever. Was I was picturing Kool Aid. I was thinking that Kool Aid looks really good right now. <laughs> and then. Drops him in the pit underneath that car, which Hall stood next to numerous times now at this point in the movie. And it is interesting going back to the play on the word prisoner. And, you know, he pretty much traded places with his daughter mm-hmm. 
to get her freedom, and now he's he's the one there. Which is, do you think if she would have not shot him in the leg, he would have been able to climb out yes. of there? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think he may not have been able to climb out, but he would have been able to figure out a way to get out, Yeah, you know. But he was pretty, not only was he drugged, then he's shot when he's in there. Mm-hmm. And that's the moment that Detective Loki comes back. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have the strength to, mm-hmm. but even if he finds him, he's going to prison because he knows that he borderline killed that guy. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe he'd went to prison. Maybe the jury oh, he would have absolutely went to prison. You think so? I mean, it's not, it's illegal to hold someone against their will and then to literally borderline kill them. That's everything he did was illegal. Yes. But a jury would have to convict you. And if you can get the sympathy of the jury, because, hey, this guy took my daughter and I was trying to find my daughter. I think he probably would have got off. I don't know. I bet but he would have pleaded guilty. The, the Okay, so the one scene, the scene when they find Taryn Hounce, Terrence Howard's daughter. Taryn Hounsen? <laughs> you don't like Taryn Hounsen? <laughs> it's funny. Go ahead. Uh, when, they, when she's in the hospital and she wakes up mm. and he walks in and she sees him and like freaks out. And start showing flashbacks. Yeah. Like, what was that? Like, why? Maybe, maybe it was a trauma kicking in that she knew he was close but couldn't save them, you know? Because mm. he'd been in the house. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. Like, a wall away from them and didn't, couldn't get them. Mm-hmm. That was a strong little girl, though, to get away. Yeah. And then at the end, or after Jillian Hall gets their daughter to the hospital, and then at like a day or two passes. And he's sitting there in the hospital and she comes in with her daughter. She like doesn't even act like she cares that her husband's missing. Oh, I know. And a part of me wonders if she thinks he just skipped town Mm -hmm. to avoid going to jail because of his crimes. Yeah. And again, it goes back to it goes to show like even if that's the case, she's okay with that because he provided and brought the daughter back. Mm -hmm. Even though she just he didn't. The way she acts. (laughs) After all that, it's just odd to me. Yeah. It's just like, why are you... But the goal was her her daughter, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think she really cared yeah. what happened to him. Because she's content with knowing, well, I said this is your fault, but now she's back. So you did it mm-hmm. wherever you are. <laughs> and he's dead. Maybe. Allegedly. Oh, he died in that hole. He was blowing the whistle. We don't know that Jalen Hall didn't find him. Yeah. I guess it depends on how you want to, how you want that story to end. And I love that it ended that way. I love movies yeah. that, and and Denny Villeneuve is very good at giving you kind of open ended ended concepts to be like, whatever you want to have happened, happened. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of times whatever I make up in my head is far more um, terrifying. It's, it's far more. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of like intriguing intriguing than you telling me and me being disappointed with that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like the end of inception or was it a dream? Was it not? And everyone keeps asking Christopher Nolan and all he says is whatever you want it to be, Mm -hmm. whatever you personally want it to be, because that's going to be far more uh, intriguing and, and allow that door to close than if I would have told you and you've been like, no, it should have been the other way. Yeah. And I do appreciate that about this movie. Mm -hmm. Did he get out? Yeah, maybe. Probably not. <laughs> that little old woman, though, man, she had spunk. 
She had guts. She yeah. was a horrible person, but it's funny. She never. I, I wonder if she ever went looking for her husband. Like, did she know her husband was going to the priest to tell, like, what they'd been doing? I don't know. Because she never seemed to. Again, she never seemed to care where her husband was either. Yeah. It is really interesting too, because we kind of get a glimpse in that scene with the priest that Loki's willing to kind of bend the rules. Well, he breaks into his house because he sees him on the floor thinking it's a dead body, realizes he's just drunk, and then he's like, care if I look around? And then he just starts (laughs) going through all of his stuff. Which I don't know why they had the uh, fridge in front of the door. Because there were no stairs to get up. No, I think he... I think he did that. I think the priest did that with the intention of never going back down the river again. That body had been down there for a while. Yeah. And I think that's why he did it. With the, He just didn't want to think about it. Obviously, he was eating him up, and that's why he became a drunkard. Mm-hmm. But why you never went to the cops and told anybody? Maybe it's because you were a convicted pedophile at that point. I mean, and nobody he's would not going to go to the police. Yeah. yeah. It's just an intriguing movie that really... It it allows you to get in the, the driver's seat and be like, okay, where do I fit into this? Mm-hmm. How do I feel about these topics or what these people are doing? Yeah. It kind of goes back to uh, back when we, I thought just now when we reviewed Gone Baby Gone. It's like, where do you fit in? Like, how would you, which character are you? Yeah, right. Who's right in this situation? I know. And everyone, you can justify everyone's actions. Yeah. You really can, whether it's right, whether it's wrong. Everyone has a reason to why they're doing it, whatever it is they're doing. And you can be like, man, yeah, I can. It it at least opens the door for you to understand. Except the kidnappers. And then feel sympathy for them. You know what I mean? Well, even Paul Daniels' character, to a certain extent, you can feel sympathy for. But it's very conflicting sympathy. You know, because in the one scene, he's grabbing the dog by the leash and dangling it in the air, just choking it. And then the next thing, he's locked in a in a shower and he's being scolded with hot water. It's like, does he deserve this? We don't know because we don't 100% know if he even did it. Mm-hmm. And it's asking you to just be like, okay, well, at least entertain the idea. Is this okay or is this not okay? And why is it or why isn't it? Mm-hmm. Which I think is incredible storytelling. Yeah. And that's why this movie is ranked so highly for me. So would you recommend this movie to other people? Yeah. I would, but it would definitely be with a caveat. Like, if you can't stomach mm-hmm. these type of movies, it pro- you probably shouldn't watch it because yeah, it's so heavy and it's so real. Yeah, you know what I mean. It you can, like you said, you can see it on Hugh Jackman's face. He looks like a father who's lost a daughter, and he looks like a father who's lost a daughter and is willing to literally do anything to get her back. And that's sad and terrifying at the same time. Mm-hmm. What else? What else? You got anything else on this one? No, I think we I think we wrapped it up pretty well. I'm I'm so glad you picked it because it's always nice to revisit and again, it's it's such a it's such a movie that just causes you to look at at yourself. Mm-hmm. And so as much as I don't like the content of the movie, it's like it's nice to revisit after a few years and be like, it's my has my perspective changed on what I yeah. thought the last time I saw this movie, you know? This isn't a comic book movie where you just you're just watching and you're like <laughs> Avengers Assemble, yay! I love it. This yeah. is this is one that really is just like mm-hmm. I th- I think about it for days after I watched it. Yeah. Well, and I okay. Well, not for you, but for me, the first time I watched it, 
I didn't have kids at the time. So obviously, my perspective changed. Which exactly. is another great That's a question. Good way to put it. Which is another great question. I already had Hugh, three kids at that point. Yeah. And Hugh Jackman even asks Gyllenhaal, do you have kids? Uh-huh. He doesn't answer it. No. I, I don't think he does. He's, no. he's, he's so dedicated to his work. I don't think yeah. he, he has time for it to even date, let alone mm-hmm. be married and have kids or whatever. Or did Hugh Jackman ask or his wife? She Some, did. She asked she did. if, she, if he right. had kids. And, Which is another good scene. Mm-hmm. Because that's where they're like, did we pass the polygraph test and all this stuff? And he's like, you can tell in his face, he's like, well, I didn't want to make you do that. Like, this is just protocol that I have to do. I can tell you're grieving. And, you know, I'm a good enough to t- detective to tell. Okay, you didn't hide your daughter somewhere and are claiming that she's kidnapped right now. Yeah. But the reversals then with Hugh Jackman, and he's like, what'd you give that guy a polygraph test? Why are we taking a polygraph test? And he didn't take a polygraph. It's just like. Ooh, the tension is, between each character is, is built up so well. Yeah. Even the scene when Loki follows him to the apartment building where he's holding the guy and he pretends to be drunk and they're literally outside. Mm-hmm. Like he's in there with both of them. Just an intense movie. Just an intense movie. The scene when uh, the other kid that was, the guy that was kidnapped, the guy that played in the, the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. When he's going into their houses and stealing a piece of clothing. Oh my goodness, I know. So intense. And the daughter was home, yeah. and the mom and the son were home, and he's in their house. Yeah. And he's a creepy looking guy anyway. But even him, when he's like putting the bunny down at the at the vigil, mm-hmm. and Jake Gyllenhaal's just watching him, he's like, who are you and what are you doing here? Yeah. And then he chases him and all, and all that happens. But it's a, it's a good movie. In a different type of way. It's not like... <clears throat> yes. It's a thought-provoking movie. Yeah. And it, it it's done with such expertise in every area. Every This is an, a perfect example of when you get... <clears throat> in, a lot of the, in a lot of ways, the same way The Greatest Showman is, but a completely different type of movie. When every actor, to the director, to everyone behind the scenes, to the people who make the sandwiches for the actors, when everyone knows exactly what kind of movie is being made... Mm-hmm. And they're all giving a hundred percent in that direction. Conveys on screen so well. Mm-hmm. You start to run into issues when you're like, okay, well, she thinks she's in this kind of movie, and he thinks he's in this kind of movie, and those don't gel well together. But in this movie, it's like, no, I know what my role is, and I'm gonna get, and I'm gonna put a hundred percent effort towards it, and it pays off beautifully. Mm-hmm. It really, truly does. Anything else? Nope. I think that's all I got. I think that's all I got to do. I just really thank you for for picking that one for us to watch this week. Um, We also have Boba Fett series dropping every week. Um, So along with this pod, every two weeks, you're going to get a Boba Fett episode. And we're going to keep doing that with whatever series, whatever Disney Plus puts out next. Yes. To engorge ourselves on. I don't know. Yeah. It's just slop at this point that we're slurping up and. (laughs) It's good, though. I mean, it's not like it's garbage content. but uh, So you can check us out there. Uh, that's on YouTube. That's on way. YouTube. Yeah. Well, tell them where else they can find us. Yeah. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can listen to us. Uh, leave us review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Definitely. Leave us comments on our YouTube page. Please. Even if it's a comment about this on yeah. a Boba Fett series, we'll we'll hit you back up and we'll respond. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, or you could DM us on Instagram. That's a good place to find us as well. 
if you're tired of the last couple movies being kind of depressing and stuff, leave us a review and let us know what movies you'd like us to review. Maybe something a little lighthearted uh, yes. for a change. We're going to keep picking movies that we personally want to talk about until you guys recommend something else for us. Yeah. But last time we asked for recommendations, we got Uncut Gems. And that one was... We'll watch whatever you recommend. I almost. Ooh, thank you for the caveat. There are limits. There are there, yeah. limits. Movies. Because I'm not going to finish Peacemaker. No? Probably not. Okay. Probably. Maybe not. <laughs> anyways right. thank you guys for listening uh, hope you enjoy yeah, have a good week bye